When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Irish Illustrated Insider with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. I'm Tim Priester. It is Monday, March 25th. We had an opportunity to see another open practice on Saturday. Part of it inside, part of it outside. Beautiful sunny day in South Bend, spring-like. And, I, you know, I felt, guys, your opinion here, on Thursday, the, the, the passing game, the young receivers really stepped forward on Saturday. I thought the defense said, not so fast. Yeah, I mean, I think that on Saturday... Chris Fink wasn't there, and Lee Meikenberg wasn't there. Yep. So it was harder to protect and harder to get open. But um, I, I did think, you know, on, th- on Thursday, Kevin Austin was out of this world. On Kevin o- on Saturday, Kevin Austin, which is good. Um, I thought that I thought Braden Lindsay in some ways, was more impressive on Saturday than he was on Thursday. Um, you know, maybe I'm just sort of, like, hyper-interested in his ability to actually hit somebody. But, like, he was physical now. Um, and that you know, he, he looked petite. <laughs> last did. August, so I think there's a big jump there. I think that the usage of Lawrence Keyes and Joe Wilkins is interesting because it, it certainly seems like the coaching staff thinks that they will be in some kind of rotation, maybe similar to uh, you know Michael Young last year. But um, I think you know for the first couple weeks, what we watched, one of the the bigger takeaways is that the the hope that Notre Dame was going to have actual wide receiver depth seems to be happening, um, that they will be able to play six guys at that position, whereas last year they could basically play three and a half. I, I, I kind of want to ask, uh, it'll have to be Brian Kelly or Chip Long because we don't talk to assistant coaches, but what the Joe Wilkins differentiator is because they've always liked him. Since he got like seven days in, they've liked him. You know, in other words, Lindsey is obviously... He has blinding speed, and now he's getting becoming a more complete player. Keys, you can look at him immediately and know that he's quick and can make plays on a football field. Micah Jones, if you're looking at him, he's a bigger guy. Like You can see developing, developing, try to develop him into the big late bloomer type. Wilkins just seems like a guy that they've always liked, and I don't know if he's overly fast, overly quick, overly physical, has good or great hands. He's kind of in between yeah, size. I, I want to know. Kind of, it, It's interesting to me. Because every time I look out there in 11-11, it's like, oh, yeah, Joe Wilkins caught that. Yeah. That's, and I, that's an interesting well, guy. And if he's that, – that's depth. Yeah, that's then, then you have true, you know, truly four guys from your current freshman class. I, you know, he is coming off a bit of, uh, of a knee issue. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I commented on Thursday in the practice report was he didn't, you know, in a one-on-one drill trying to elude people, he wasn't very good. Well, that's probably reflective of maybe where sure, he is with yeah. the knee. Pete, I agree with you in terms of the young receivers, and it looks like going into the fall there's depth. I will warn everybody it is spring, and so we don't want to jump the gun with that. But They want to use these guys. They do want to use these guys, and they certainly look, based upon seeing the last two full practices, they look like they're capable. I thought it was interesting that Brian Kelly mentioned Braden Lindsay's toughness. You know, I mean, he was a small guy. He's about 15 pounds heavier. I don't. That's certainly a comment we wouldn't have heard in the fall. Uh, the way he's caught the football very well. We wouldn't have seen that or heard about that in the fall, so he's made tremendous progress. I thought Lawrence Keyes um, is a, 
is a really, really exciting prospect mm. for them. He may not always know where he needs to be, as Brian Kelly said when he misaligned and covered up a tight end, making the tight end ineligible. Uh, but I thought he was effective in both practices, Thursday and Saturday. Kevin Austin, like you said, Pete, not quite as much, certainly not like um, like he was on Thursday. And Michael Young, that probably the, the best news is you have a junior-to-be in Michael Young who's more than 190 and clearly has won the starting job and at Tra- this point. And Trey Pry can cover all of them. That's that good he, he can do that. He, he can definitely do that, and I think that had a lot to do with why the passing numbers – as I charted them on Saturday and all the one added up all the one on ones and seven on sevens and eleven on elevens, the accuracy wasn't as good, especially for Book, because he was kind of forcing some things on purpose. But the receivers weren't getting open the way they were on Thursday and, and so it was a it was a better day for the defense. Look, it's Notre Dame versus Notre Dame on the practice yeah, field. Yeah. So when the offense has a good day and then the next day the defense covers up for that, I guess that's the best you can ask for. And we're going to talk a lot about young guys today because we saw a lot of young guys involved. They're not push- These guys aren't pushing Julian Aquara and Khalid Kareem when we start going deep into the roster. It, it, but when you're in the spring, this is when you see who will be making big plays in 2020 and stuff like that. And Jack Lamb and Ovi Ogufu seem like they'll be making plays in 2020 and 2021 to me because Jack Lamb finds the football and Ovi Ogufu, I don't know if everybody else wasn't trying to be physical and they didn't get the memo. He was obliterating people in that special teams he drill. Bo Bauer, who was like physical, if if anything, and like, it's, a, that's and it. it's and just one thing. Bauer played thirteen games on special teams yeah. last year, so he's adept at, at doing that. Uh, Gofu um, retweeted probably at Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, I saw that. And somebody I said, "Is this the, the rep Tim was talking about?" Meaning me, he's like, "No, no, no, yeah. no. This was just another really good yeah. rep. Yeah. He had a vi- he had a violent streak in that where everyone's jumping. It was fun to watch yeah. and to hear others talk about him. I mean, they really like him." Going yeah, forward. I enjoyed Brian Pullian's reaction behind Agufu on that run. It. It's yeah. like, like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's what you're looking yeah, for, right? It's fantastic. Well, Pullian's got to stand around for about an hour yeah, and a half before right. he gets an opportunity to really dig in there with guys. So well, That's true. way more exciting than watching field goals. Yeah. <laughs> Punts hit the roof. Reasons. Yeah. No doubt. Let's talk, <laughs> since, you, since you mentioned field goals, yeah. let's talk about that because Jonathan Doerr, uh, he missed two, I believe. Both were bad holds. Nolan Henry is a guy that's holding. I can't. He's 185 yards away from us, even with binoculars. It's difficult to. That was while we were still inside, uh, although door missed outside. Yeah. I, I'm not sure about that hold, but he. One thing about his kicks, they are extreme right to left. Yeah, they, there's a huge hook, and that's you, not great no. because then you're always playing angles. But, mm. but then when they went outside, I don't know how long was that. Was that? They're about 442. Okay, yeah, yeah I think yeah. you're right. I think it was about 42, and it started right, and it stayed right. So. Yeah. I'm not really sure what to expect when a ball comes off his foot. The extreme right to left, I wouldn't think is a great thing because now you're always, it's like he's playing dog leg lefts on every hole. It takes a while for the ball to come out, too. Like his wind up. You think he's slow to the ball? Slow. Yeah. It, it just. And it probably doesn't have to be. He's a good sized kid, he's got enough Mm -hmm. leg. He's. He still has a ways to go, yeah, and there, it's a, to... yeah, it's a, but it's a concern. I mean, it's a concern. <laughs> Kick every he single day, one, like that's his thing. He's got to work at it. It's me. a concern. He had five months to prepare for kickoffs last year too. And a, but there's no way we can no. sit here and be like, "Oh my gosh, no, they're kicking game." We this is clearly happening now. No, I'm just, just saying, it. like when you come out of spring practice, I think that sometimes there are concerns where like 
your level of concern one to ten? Like the kicking is like nine and a half. I mean, and I it's going to stay there until till they play changes. a game. Yeah. Well, until they play a game where it really Leonard matters. Shows up. Jay Bramlett did attempt a punt late in the practice. Yes, if, in your honor. You guys were. <laughs> and it was fine. <laughs> it was a line drive, forty-two yard. It was a line drive, forty-two. Were you yarder. watching the field goals? <laughs> the punt was fine. <laughs> oh, well, you're comparing. <laughs> You're 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 comparing. Yeah. I, I'm not looking at it like yeah. that. I mean, it's if they're both not good, then both are problems. Yeah. But I do want to talk about, believe it or not, the linebackers, which we are. I mean, we keep saying we're going to talk about it through August, but I, the more we get into it, the more we see, and the more information that comes our way, the more we're going to talk about it because it's an issue. It, it is an issue. I'm not sure. I mean, who who would I don't even you you say Bilal? See, <laughs> where, I, I, where should I start? I'm tongue tied. I mean, Bilal is a front runner because of his playing experience. That is why he's the front runner, I think. Right, which is but I don't know if it, I'm not sure that yeah. it goes beyond that right now. And I I don't know. I'm speechless. So you guys go ahead and I mean, join it, in. It's a, there's a sort of a big departure point between the receivers and the linebackers. Whereas receivers, there were a lot of young guys when spring started. We didn't know if they could play, but we thought that they could. It's they're they're starting to like mm-hmm. click up into okay, we can put this guy in a game. Linebacker, a lot of young guys since spring practice started, didn't know if they could play. I think we're still exactly where we were when spring practice started, if not a step down because you're moving Paul Moal up. The staff is very optimistic so something can happen there. Drew White gets hurt. He's lost for did it say four or five months? Uh, the last AC joint surgery they compared it to, I forget who it was, but it was Clay, it was, Clay, it was Clay, Brock Wright. It was, yeah. yeah, Brock Wright, that's right. It was four months. In, in okay. Pool, so, but that, that's just tough for a somewhat undersized linebacker that's going to miss his right. know, lot of conditioning. Um, it's, and it, if you, I think you've told me when spring practice started that, like, oh, they lost Drew Wright to injury. I wouldn't think that would have much of an impact. But the more you talk to people around Notre Dame, the more you hear that they actually really, really like Drew White. There's a reason why he did what he did against Navy, and they had the a, confidence to throw him in. This is a bigger deal than I think um, I would have I would have thought. And, I, I mean, and Asmar Bilal, I think he's just like – I don't know if he's the best guy at any of the three positions – but he's the most experienced, really, at all of them. So it, it's still it's difficult for me to see Esmar Bola not in the starting lineup for that reason. But I agree with you, but it, that's not ideally, a great reason. No, it's not. I mean, I think ideally they would have guys that are perfect fits for each of those three positions. You know, whether that's Simon and or Lamb at Buck, whether that's Awusu Koromoa and Moala at Rover. Uh, at Mike, I think it might have been more like a, a Drew White, you know, Jonathan Jones and Bo Bauer, we haven't really talked at all about them during spring, nor have I think we've really seen them do anything uh, when we have been out there. So it's um, they just still have a lot to get sorted out there. Um, they knew they were going to have a lot to get sorted out, and they're I think they're going to have a lot to get sorted out for the next four months. This is again baby steps, but I did you brought him up. I did think Usu Koromoa shows that he's kind of starting to understand where to go. I mean, it is he his good, third year. He, he, he no, he showed he flashed yeah, in yeah. a way that we had not seen him yet. We haven't seen. I remember much, him but, making one play ever before that. It was in August. We talked about yeah. uh, we watched a scrimmage and he jumped a play, and we thought, oh, that's some athleticism there. It looked like he knew where to be to go in this whole time, and I'm I'm not being. It's funny how guys. Say that. It's he funny how guys look better when they know where to go. I yeah. mean, I'm not. I'm not That's being facetious there. Right. Well, yeah. He knows where I, the ball's going. Yeah, I did. I was going to say we were talking about this before we went on the air here, uh, but I, I'm not sure that there's any merit to it. But I, I was wondering whether 
you know, maybe maybe the best fit would be to to take Simon and put him at Mike, let Jen Markeith and Lamb battle it out for the buck, and put Bilal back at Rover where he has a comfort zone. But there's an issue at this point with Simon and, and his physicality and playmaking and who's he hitting and where they go from here. I, I, I think it's, in my mind, I think it's more unsettled today than it was a week ago. Yeah. I mean, I think with the white Moala combination of one guy out, one guy in, that that would lead you to believe that they, I'm sure they know more because they've accumulated knowledge, but like there are more, there are as many options, if not more on the table right. now than there were right. three weeks ago, which is uh, weird. Let, I guess the last thing, and then we have a bunch of questions, obviously, but, um, and we mentioned this in incident analysis, but Colk met, Showed up big on Saturday. I'm not sure this has been reported, although usually when I say that, Samson said, oh, yeah, I already reported that. <laughs> but uh, Cole Komet's not playing baseball um, anymore, oh. at least this year. Oh, I thought – because I think the only thing that I, well, I heard was that, like, he wasn't going to miss any more football, but I didn't know he had, like, essentially retired from baseball uh, for the I, season. I, I, it's my understanding there might be some elbow concerns there. Uh, and uh, so I don't, I don't think that there's a – I don't think that there's a full-blown elbow injury, but I think there are some signs. And so rather than risk his future mainly as a football player, right. but all, I guess to some extent as a baseball player too, I think they feel like or he feels like he needs to shut it down. So it's my understanding, hmm. uh, and I don't have official confirmation on this, but it's my understanding he's not playing baseball now. Uh, I know he didn't play this weekend, so um, – you know, there we are. Interesting. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But, yeah. but. I think Brian you know, Kelly probably bumped into him with his yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Ow. How's your elbow? Yeah. Oh. Pitching nerve Sorry, about yeah. the elbow. Yeah. <laughs> but I've been the one that says, you know, Cole Komet needs to, you know, let's see it. Well, we saw it on Saturday. Um, he stepped forward, made some plays. Uh, I, I thought, yeah, a whole bunch of them. I thought he had, he had an early drop. Or was that on Thursday? No, I think it was on Thursday. It was, it was, it was early in that day. He had an early f- drop, and I'm like, the first rep. right? But uh, after that, he was very good inside and outside. I will now be surprised if Cole Komet doesn't have a very good year. Whereas last year, I still lucked into a winning bet with you when Alize <laughs> Mack had a pedestrian year and Komet didn't do enough, and I got that one right. But that wasn't really the you right bat- call. You, it's yeah. kind of like when you said Notre Dame lose to Alabama by ten. The spirit of the bet right. was not right. There was no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I really won the Alize Mack. I was last right, year, but. but Right, but kind of not. But now I would be surprised. Now I'm on board completely with the, uh, that's a dude. Finally, yeah. I feel like I've been saying it for two years. (laughs) But yeah, no, I I think he had, I think, two or three touchdowns in sort of team drills. Or or not team drills, like seven-on-seven skeleton drills. But then in team drills, I think he had like a 30-yard catch on the first play where he ran away from Denmark Keith and then Jalen Elliott. Um God bless him for for attempting to make that tackle. Um, oh, I'm not right. sure. I'm I not sure I would do play. that in spring practice got, of my senior year because he, he got, just he got, got buried. destroyed. Um, but that's what you got to do because at some point you're going to run into a, maybe you won't run into a tight end like Cole Komet this season if you're Jalen Elliott uh, on Saturdays. But um, yeah, I mean Komet looks like the guy that the coaches thought he was always going to be when as soon as he showed up. Yeah. Um, I guess we can talk. I think we have a Tommy Trimble question in the second okay. segment. We can talk more about the tight ends there. So that's segment one. Back with burning up the boards in segment two. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from not NotJTFL1. With Ian Book going to his second year as a starter, do you think Notre Dame will have more of a passing offense than the previous couple years? Kelly seems to move away from the running game as the QBs become more experienced. No, because Chip Long's still calling the plays. They've averaged yeah. forty yards or forty carries per game in the last two years, which I think are the only years that oh, that's yeah, happened. Absolutely. Other than that, I would agree with the uh, yeah. question, though. Yeah, no, it's, yes, yeah. but it's like a, sort of a question well, from you? 2015. Right, but right. wouldn't you, when your quarterback gets more experience, you throw it more? I mean, I think that's natural. But, um, yeah, Chip Long's the offensive coordinator. He understands the importance of the running game. He stays with it. This is why we like him. This is why he's this a good This is why fit. some of you don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, you know, I understand some of the critique. Um, end of the season offense tailing off the last couple of years. I, I, I get that whole part, but... Uh, He's going, he's, it's long, you know, and their running backs are looking favorable right now. Yeah. Uh, the offensive line is going to be more experienced. So I wouldn't just assume that they're going to throw more. But when your quarterback's in the second year as a starter, yeah, you feel more comfortable throwing football. How about the extension of the running game? You guys still like that idea with Ian? With Ian, it works, it works like with it. Yes, it yeah. does. It's an it actually makes sense now. So, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it. <laughs> At the Free Dirt. What would the over-under for wins this season be if Phil Dracovic had to start the whole season? And I'm going to add, let's say, it's he knows starting in August. It's not like okay. Ian Book goes down before the okay. first game because then it gets worse. That's uh, so down. it's got to be a half. It's got to be a. It's got to be right. Eight, seven, seven you, and a half, eight and a half. I think if you were making a line where you wanted like Notre Dame fans to bet on either side of it, you'd probably set it at eight and a half. But how about? But I think in Vegas they're probably more like seven and a half. If it's nine and a half now, I would think it would be seven and a half. But I would probably take the over. I, w- I mean, I would take the over there. I would take eight wins because they have a like, good defense and, and or good defensive line. And if it was, and if the line was eight and a half, I would not take it. I would not take the over there. I would bet the yeah. I would bet the under as sort of a at eight and a half. Yeah. Objective observer, right? Of Notre Dame football. Exactly. If That's... you said, "Hey, Phil Jakovic's starting all thirteen games," I think it would be a, an eight and four type of season. When you consider the three specific on the road roadblocks, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm considering the aggregate. I mean, you, start, you start with those three yeah. as as possible slash probable losses under the circumstances. He would have inconsistent days at home, even when, as, as Pete sometimes talks about, the young quarterbacks. How it's not just an upward arc, or it's yeah. not just an upward arrow. I keep saying arc, line. upward arrow. Uh, he would really have some some movement. I love yeah. that. I love that quote, yeah. and I continue yeah. to steal it. Uh, we have another question about Jerkovic and the quarterback situation at Maddie Mill three twenty four. The constant questions about whether Phil Jerkovic is challenging Ian Book for the starting job after the season Book had in, in twenty eighteen is confusing to me. If Twitter existed in the summer of nineteen ninety three. Would we all be freaking out when Ron Paulus broke his collarbone, collarbone, meaning the, quote, terrible Kevin McDougal would have to start? Well, I mean, I was in college and people were freaking out. There was just no Twitter. <laughs> but people, he, Lou Holtz never talked about guys that hadn't played before. And he was as effusive in his praise of Ron Paulus as anyone could be. 
And Notre Dame had a ton of great players on their team, so everybody was thinking, wow, they're finally going to have what they need back there. I mean, Rick Meyer had a very good <laughs> career, but Holtz didn't say that about Rick Meyer's passing like he did about Ron Paulus's. And he should have. Yeah, I know. It turns out Rick Meyer's was a better college, much better college quarterback than Ron Paulus. But people were freaking out back then. They were really freaking out. I was there, and <laughs> yes, yeah. people were freaking out. Yes. It was funny. I Ron Sandy, I wrote a story just around the 1990 recruiting class, which McDougal was a part of. And multiple players in that group, uh, Burris and Aaron Taylor in particular, said they were actually going to go to Lou Holtz and say, you're making a mistake starting Ron Paulus. Kevin McDougal is the guy. This is the guy we want to start. Um, and then like a day or two later, Paulus broke his collarbone. Right. They never yeah. had a meeting. So it's like, it's kind of one of those things like the freak out, it sounds like it was quite palpable if you were here at the if you're time. Around here, it was. However, yeah. if you were in the locker room and a player, you were borderline excited that your guy Kevin McDougal was going to play. As as weird as that sounds, um, McDougal was j- like that popular with his teammates, and they felt like <clears throat> this can be the guy. Um, and they a couple of the guys mentioned like the Michigan game that year. Oh, girl, how emo- how emotional they got <laughs> to see McDougal go out there and play as well as he. Yeah, did. the the I mean. Okay, that's one perception. Outside of the locker room, yeah, there was a lot of panic. The situation's different. I mean, McDougal was unproven. Book is proven. Yeah. He's a yeah. starter. He's right. a returning starter. So the situation is different. But I, it's a fun question because... You know I, what? You bring I, up Book and McDougal. Because McDougal did not have a good opening game. The Northwestern, Michigan was the second game. And Michigan was a nine-point favorite in that game, by the way, against the Notre Dame team that finished 11-1. That's the most surprised I've ever been by a Notre Dame quarterback until Ian Book when I saw Kevin McDougal yeah. in the Michigan game. Now, well, that, was ran, a, that was a harder than Wake Forest for he Ian had Book, an option. He had a long option run oh, for a yeah. touchdown, which was like everybody's jaw dropped because they didn't think that that was part of what his game and he was. was. Throwing, uh, he was throwing dimes all over the field to people, and it yeah. just you didn't see any of it the first game, and you're just amazed that he was playing like that. So maybe if you, you know, throw Book out there for... Wake Forest, I think a lot of people could have done that to Wake Forest, but his games against Stanford and Virginia yeah. Tech and stuff, that's, yeah. that's the next surprise where I was like, holy cow, I didn't yeah. know about that guy. I hear you. ND Band 94, speaking of that era, after watching a couple practices, what is causing you to start seeing hope for a 10-win or more season this year, and what is giving you cause for concern for the upcoming season? I think it would be um, pretty much what we talked about in the first segment, the, the, the depth of the receiving core. Also, I think you know, we. I mean, really, what do we know about the running backs at this stage? I, I know we haven't really seen anything real live per se. Yeah, well, you know, that's not their fault. But I mean, th- th- those things are exciting. And then, you know, I mean, obviously, the flip side is the linebacking core. I'd say linebacking core. If someone gets hurt in the defensive interior, not the defensive ends, because they have plenty of guys. Uh, and also, I don't think there's a lot of depth that. Well, there's no depth right now at corner and safety. I think it will get a little better when we leave August. But right now, I think Notre Dame needs to stay healthy at corner, too. I think corner, they, I think, I like their depth at corner, actually. I think it's pride and the pridettes. Right I mean, now, I, thought, you know? I thought Griffith was one of the guys that impressed me the most. He was good. He was, over, like, he was really good both, Saturday. Both uh, yeah, I didn't I thought, feel the same way Thursday. But better Saturday. Yeah. But I thought overall, like, he was good. I'll give you, uh, in terms of talent level, let's do this way. The cornerbacks at this point last year were Julian Love, returning starter. Sean Crawford, returning starter. Troy Pride, former return, former starter. Dante Vaughn, former starter. Nick Watkins, projected or former starter from the year before. And Nick Coleman is a safety that had started at corner. They had those six guys, and now they have pride and talent. 
That's that's what I mean by depth. Like it's oh no, I, real depth, and then what you think they is, were uh, cor- last year. Corner was arguably the best position on the team. It's like defensive end. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not now, but I still think it's good. Like cor- corner is not a concern for me. Um, safety is a concern because like they're just they don't have anybody. Um, <laughs> linebacker is a huge concern, and then look, kicker. They do not have a ten win kicker right now because um, you're, 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 you're going to tell me Notre Dame's going to win double digit right. games no, without needing a, a game winning field goal or a, a clutch field a clutch goal, field goal. The, or yeah. just a field goal. Um, that's I I can't see it. So that's a, I think that's a good way of putting it. I, the staff is very high on Tariq Bracy. Between now, I like and, Tariq Bracy too. Between it's, now yeah. and September, the weight room is so huge for him because if he can narrow that gap, now it's a guy that. You know, I think right now it's like, okay, we feel pretty good about pressing that button. In August or September, if he can make the strides he needs, it's like, boom, we can. Pr- they would just press a button to, to put him in the game. So uh, I think that's important. I did want to uh, slide to something that occurred to me that you said on Saturday in talking about the defensive ends because we've talked about the possibility of Jameer Jones redshirting. It's unusual. He's a senior. Um, I could see why they want to do it. I could see why he wants to do it. The fact of the matter is, he's a pretty good player. He is he right now. He can up. play. He can play. Yeah, which makes it difficult. Now, the the key, of course, is the four game. The key is the four game redshirt. Jameer Jones can yes. not be lost to not only the team That's but true. mentally. He can yeah, play yeah. four games in his mind. He can be part of a successful season and come back and challenge for a starting role next year. That's much better than saying, "Hey, we're going to put you on the shelf." You don't want to be on the shelf as a senior with your teammates. It's, I mean, it's the opposite of how freshmen are used with the four-game rule where, like, if you're an incoming guy, let's say you're... Um, Jared Patterson. Jared, or, I would say, like, Kyron Williams this year. Okay, like, yeah. The four games he's going to play in are probably going to be, like, Bowling Green, um, you know, maybe you're in for Navy. Michigan. Duke. Oh, shout out there. But I'm saying Jameer Jones, your four games are probably Georgia, Stanford, yeah. Michigan, yeah. Um, and USC. And Maybe Duke, you're on board with that, right? Yeah. yeah. I think if you went to Jameer Jones and that's how you presented it, um, like I think he's probably on board with it anyway, but like I would think that would be pretty appealing. We're, you get to play in the biggest games and we're just like, we don't need you in the other ones, and then you get to come back next year and play 550 snaps. Or you could have them play a lot in the lesser games, so that your frontliners, yeah, they don't have they, to play. They, you know, can can yeah. can do something contrary to what Tranquil and Coney had to do last year, and that's play every dang snap. I, this is a great question to ask because now they've had a year. When you ask the question to Kelly Long and um, Lee last year, they're like, we don't we don't really know what this four game, how this four game redshirt scenario is going to unfold. That is another way of doing it is when Khalid Kareem's ankle is a problem. He doesn't have to play after against. After the Georgia game, he doesn't have to play against a quality Virginia team or something along those lines. Right. I guess it's Bowling Green there. But, you know, when Virginia comes up, mm-hmm. Jameer Jones can be playing now behind. I think it's Ogun more Denny. likely. I think Pete's scenario is more likely. <laughs> I would sell it Pete's way. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, right. You could play when somebody gets hurt. Yeah. <laughs> right. You could mix it up. I don't I don't yeah. know. It's just like it's a, it's a luxury I think we just look at it as Jameer Jones and then 2020, but like there's a real luxury item about Jameer Jones for Notre Dame this year, at even as a redshirt player. Yeah, I keep forgetting the four games. Yeah, that's that's really just that's changes key. The whole yeah, flexibility. Uh, Eddie two hundred one. Which pair will have the biggest impact this season? Chase Claypool slash Chris Fink, or Cole Komet slash Brock Wright? I I don't know how it could not be thinking. 
Quite well, they're gonna, those two are going to catch 125 yeah. passes. They'll be thinking Claypool. Well, bigger impact this year. Yeah, That's, yeah, it's they're I mean, going to have I, the biggest impact. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I think Clement Wright are going to commensurate to the impact that the tight ends have had in the passing yes. game will be significant, but it can't be more than those two because they're going to catch over 100 passes. Positions: Aquar and Kareem, number one tandem. Bacon Claypool, number two tandem for impact on the season. Uh, Elliot Gilman. Oh, that's a good one. That could be Elliot Gilman in there. But, I mean, Claypool and Fink are going to, as he said, what are they're going to score. Yeah. <laughs> Fink and Claypool are going to score 14 touchdowns, catch 100, 100 passes, and be targeted I mean, 150 I would, times. I would go Kareem Aquara, sure, but sure. then I would go Gilman yeah, Elliott. I can, I, would, I can see it. Yeah, I would, too. You, pre- you should preface that by saying, what are you, crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Elliot and Gilman. I would agree with you, but I just don't yeah. think it's that far. I don't think it's that far off. There's, they are going to throw 500 passes. Yeah, these guys are going to no, be targeted on two hundred of them. Come at so right, yeah. Eichenberg, Hainsey, Kramer, Banks. Like those are good tandems yeah. as well. But I would, Elliot Gilman's safeties yeah. are, are quite good. Sounds like a tandem story to write. Because that sounds like a because we're a bad. website. And <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> How uh, are we going to judge the relative impact <laughs> of this press box bet for this season? <laughs> Dip ninety eight mandatory linebacker question. From what you've seen so far, will Bilal be the starting Mike against Louisville? Can I take the field? Um, or do I have to name another starting linebacker? That's the problem. I think he will be because somebody has to start. So why not him? That is a. Glowing assessment <laughs> of the situation, Pete. <laughs> He's on the menu. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll take the field. It can be anybody else. He can start somewhere else. Sure. Okay, I'll take the field. Okay, I'll take. I would. I would. Uh, I think to, he will to start. Break the, he to will break start. the tie, I would lean towards uh, that he would start a mic against Louisville. Uh, yes, he will. Start. I do believe he will start against Louisville. I just don't know where. I, I mean, how? 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 Or Bad would it have to be for Bilal not to be in the starting lineup against Louisville? I, I think that's very unlikely. But starting Mike, I think it would be yeah, in the field. Yeah. Yeah. I look at it the opposite way. I think that could be a really good thing because that means you found three perfect fits for those linebacker positions, opposed to a guy who like is kind of. You really think you're there. Gonna, you really think they're going to find three perfect no. fits no, in lieu of that's why I said it. it would be good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. good point. At Greg twenty one twenty six. The three biggest unit question marks, running back, linebacker, and defensive tackle. Which of these three do you feel best about? And which of these three are you most skeptical? I don't think we have to answer the latter this time. Yeah, the latter is definitely linebacker. Um, I would, I mean, frontline guys, I would put defensive tackle ahead of running back, I guess. But I think running backs, as we've said several times, is promising. I think the dam breaks more if there's injuries at defensive tackle. Yeah. So I would just say that I'm believe the running backs, because, you know, I think if, if Jafar Armstrong goes down, I will, I think it will greatly impact the offense, but people find running backs. They, they do find running backs. You don't find defensive tackles, because first of all, they're not there. Okay. Fine, but it, I think defensive tackle depth is think, such a problem if someone goes down. It, it would be, but yeah. but to lose Jafar Armstrong would be a huge blow to the running yeah. back. Yeah, yeah I, just, I just think the, the counter move, if you lose Jafar Armstrong versus if you lose Kurt Heinisch or... MTA, like, you can hide the fact that your running backs aren't very good. If your defensive tackles yeah. aren't very good, yeah. good luck to you. Like, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, we do we we feel good about the first four, right? I yes, mean, even, I do feel good about the first four. I mean, four. yeah, especially based on what we've heard in the about last Lacey. Yeah, it's... week about uh, Jacob Lacey being, like, maybe the most talented guy of those four. I mean, that's that's one of those things that's like, 
I like Heinish and Myron Tagovailoa and Adam Yule. Yep. Like, if if you're telling me Lacey might be the best of those four, that's a that's good for all four of them. Yes, yeah. but he won't be the best of those four this year. That's I want to I want to see on. that. That's one of those I want to see that with my own eyes because I think Admiola was really good last yeah. year. When you think about a true freshman good stuff. playing interior defensive line, he did really really well. I have an additional question here, guys, uh, from uh, MCRT Jim, which is Jim McCarthy, I believe. Uh, is there a player that you anticipate stepping up like Julian Okwara and Khalid Kareem did last year? Any position. And Jalen Elliott did last year. He just went from nothing. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was, um, I mean, his was a bigger jump than, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, if we stay at the... I mean, if if Okwara and Kareem are healthy, then it's going to be hard for Ogundeje to... to yeah, because I like to him a lot. To make that kind of a jump, but we like him a lot. Um, I, I think Houston Griffith... Is flashed enough that I'm like, eh, I think he might have a good season. But I, I think the guy that could improve the most, because like, look, Jalen Elliott went from playing ineffectively to like right. really, really good. <clears throat> I think that Liam Eikenberg needs to make that kind of jump from. He played a, a lot, obviously. I didn't think he was that great, but I think he could be really, really good. He would be the best call. I think I was. I was trying to figure out who could make a jump like that. And it's just, you could, anybody could throw a name out and say, well, Tommy Kramer will just be great this year. But I think right. Eichenberger is the one that could have, you could notice him where everybody's watching. Like, yeah, Man, that guy is. I think, well, I, I mean, I agree with you guys. I think Banks probably has the most upside, but different positions, different mm-hmm. need, I guess, to step up. You need you need your corners to, to really be sharp. Certainly any any of the young inside linebackers that steps up would be a huge, significant leap forward. That's my follow-up. All three of us got to name a linebacker that will do a Jalen Elliott this year. Jalen Elliott right now was perceived as a weak link in the starting eleven. Any of the linebackers are perceived. As I'd a weak say link. Jen Markeith. He's the one that I just have the most faith in. But Lamb is probably not far behind. I think Lamb's there. mine. He just missed that whole year. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I everything. agree. Not conditioning, but you know, he he would be bigger and stronger with the year. I think I'll I'll go Lamb, but I, I don't have a lot of conviction on that one. Well, that's, Again, that's like, why I say it though. We didn't have conviction in Elliott. The question either, is you know? like who would surprise you, which by definition means that you're like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At Irish underscore GL, would you say that Tommy Tremble will take over the H back move tight end spot, or is he more likely to be split out wide in passing situations? I think it's a little early to say with certainty about that, but he was he was playing an H-back role the other day, I, I, I believe, with, with some movement. They like him. He's good. He, yeah. had a, he had a good Thursday. He caught a couple passes on Saturday. Uh, you know, I don't know that he's, you know, I don't know that his stature says split wide, but move tight end, H-back, yes. I think it will be a two tight end heavy attack with four backup wide receivers getting more snaps than Tommy Tremble, though, and three running backs. So I think this question's for next year. Yeah, I think in the same way that going two tight ends helps you make up for a lack of receiver depth. Now they have a lot of receiver depth. So I don't. I don't knocks your third tight end. Like I don't know why the the equivalent of Nick Wisher on this year's team, which is probably Tommy Tremble, would get a lot of work. Yeah, any any one of you won't you get two hundred seventy snaps that Nick Wisher got. No, any, and, and more any one of Austin Keys, Lindsey. Wilkins and already are Michael, more and likely, already Michael Young. Yeah, yeah, 
are, are, are much more likely to uh, But we like him and they like him. Snaps. It's just he's got a little more time. Yeah, I mean, things are, things are definitely looking up at yeah. the pass-catching areas. There's just no doubt about that. Uh, Irish Sports 101, I believe Brian Kelly said the strength of defense was the D-line. Sounds good to me, but I'm concerned about depth. If any injury would happen to MTA or Adamiola, should I be? Yeah. I think you definitely should be. They have four guys. We think they have four guys that can play. They think they have four guys that can play. And the fifth would have to be incoming freshman Howard Cross, who we've heard good things about, actually, or injured Hunter Spears, who I just, no matter how much someone could like or not like Hunter Spears or love Hunter Spears, he is a freshman, early enrollee defensive tackle that's not for not playing. He's hurt. He is right. not getting all the development he would need in spring. I don't, and I don't Fra- see how and, he goes in and plays. And Franklin, uh, Jamie and Franklin. Uh, a terrible being injury. the other one, yeah, with a really, really bad injury. Pete? They need a break. I mean, they, they need those four guys to stay healthy. And I think if all four stay healthy, they'll be in good shape. But very rarely does that happen. Let, let's think about it this way. The concern here is the third string defensive Tackles. But they featured him so much like, last year. You know, it's a great. Con- I know. No, it is. I know. That, it's, that's it, a but nice it's thing, still the third. The third group of defensive yeah. tackles is what the concern here is. They want to play him though. You know, they want Elston would love Elston to have clearly that guy wants to. He would. He. I just don't think they're going to be able to do it. Yeah, I, I don't. Maybe Franklin, like in the second half of the I season think, or something. I'm, I don't, I'm not really I, sure. I, I'm going to hold out on Howard Cross. I know this. The the. Frame doesn't say. I think you defensive like, tackle. You and I like Spears more than Pete, but I think we can all agree on this. Towards ACL in November, and he's a big defensive tackle that came to a college program that is not going to be able to do anything for real to make himself better until the summer. Correct. So that's just the way of, I like the guy, but it's not. It's a hard position to be in. Yeah, I'm higher on Howard Cross. Okay, then all right. So then the even Spears situation. Okay. Yes, because he, yeah. because yeah. he's coming off of a uh, yes. I'm higher on Howard Cross make being the fifth guy. I like Spears, a future veteran player. I don't think he gives a snap this year. I don't either. Okay, that's that's how I say. It. Yeah, I mean, if, he does, I say it. if he does, it's it's, it's the right. four like game the thing. Jamie and Franklin level of snaps, yeah. right. where it's like you're playing against Wake Forest. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, here we, we go. Back at, on Wake Forest a lot this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at way to go, K man. If uh, in your time covering recruiting, is there a recruit who spurred Notre Dame late in the process that could have proven program altering? You know, program altering is hard to program altering is hard, but I have a I have a season altering. The 2015 season may have been undefeated if you just had Eddie Vanderdose in the middle of it with with Sheldon would, Day, Isaac Rochelle. He would and be on my list. <laughs> uh, you could also say that if Alex Anslow was the middle linebacker instead of injured Joe Schmidt in 2015, you would have had a different mm-hmm. defense out there because he was hurt. I like Schmidt in 14. He couldn't he couldn't play anymore in 15. It was he was a good player in 14. He was, well, I mean, a, he was a really good player in 14, but he he was no longer in 15. He couldn't move anymore, and it showed. He right. He, he was one of the lower rated linebackers. And there was really only uh, probably one defensive coordinator that Joe Schmidt was going to play for in 2015, coming off a significant injury, and it was it was Van Gorder because nobody else could understand what the hell they were supposed to do. He can speak Mandarin on the run, right? <laughs> so he's a valuable guy. But uh, I, I do believe Joe Schmidt could speak Mandarin on the run. Much like Max Redfield. Um, <laughs> I would say, you know, if you could stick out Paulson Adebo just for the that's second quarter guy. of the Clemson game, oh, yeah, yeah, that would have cool. been something. Now that's, that's my one. guy. That's what I was going to say. We have a we have a recent reference yeah. here because that would have made. Well, I mean, he would have totally been in the mix all season. He's that good. 
Right. Yeah. Right? He started and then he would still be on the roster right now. <laughs> yeah. With three years of yeah. eligibility to go. <laughs> Uh, Tim, go ahead. <laughs> At Big Mac 24, last time I asked about Tyler Buckner and he committed that night. What's the likelihood of either Chris Tyree or Tyrek Murphy being Irish? Uh, I talked to somebody in the Goog about Tyree and Murphy over the weekend. Um, they love where they are with Tyree. Um, that's that's the guy. Like They're in on a bunch of different running backs, but it's Tyree and then whoever else. But it has to be Tyree. Um they think he is like exactly what they want um, in terms of a skill set, academic profile, what he's looking for in a college, um, wants to do early enrollment. Stanford's not involved. Um, just they're the, the, he's got everything that they need at that position. Um, and then they'll probably get somebody else who will be good. But Tyree is is the guy. But the question is, what's the likelihood of either Tyree or Ty- Tyreek Murphy being Irish? Tyree, I think, is quite good. I, I would agree, but there's a very high probability that Murphy is going to be in the fold sooner than Tyree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Tyree has his visit set for June, I think, an official visit. Um, but don't you, you could see Murphy committing. Yeah, at any time. I have less of a, a feel on, on Murphy other than, you know, he was here last weekend and seemed to really yeah. like it. I mean, it's with, with Murphy, it's, become, you know, New York football is developmental football. This isn't like, you know, you're coming from Georgia or Virginia or Ohio or California. So, I mean, he's a, he's a rocked up dude, uh, but... I like a lot of other running backs. I mean, just just personal preference. I like at least five other running backs on their list, including Chris Tyree yeah. and Juton McLean, who's a similar type back. I, I, there's at least five guys I like better than Tyreek Murphy. I'm told by somebody in the Goog that I'm wrong. So <laughs> um, we'll we'll see about that. But I, but I mean, clearly, I I imagine you're hearing the same thing I am. It's like it's Tyree. And then yes, no. If they whoever no the second back is, they'll probably be happy about it. Uh, Kyle think, Edwards would be would be very good. I I do think is McLean the Archbishop Hoban, or is he a uh, different Ohio? Uh, um, at, I, I can't differentiate right couple, now. But there are a couple guys they like from Ohio who are running backs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is our last question. Yeah. Unless you guys have any. Unless you want to make any yeah, up. I'll make one up. Yeah. Real at fast. David uh, Damiani. Does this spring feel different from 2013? In other words, is this team ready to compete consistently for national titles? Or did they just catch lightning in a bottle like in 2012, and it's going to be a while before they can make another run? Um, I, yeah, I, there's like a couple questions in there. It does feel different than 2013, where that just felt like a huge hangover season. Um, <laughs> it feels different because we're not talking about Manti Teo. Uh, Eddie Vanderdos and the Shepard Eagles in the Philadelphia Eagles. So yeah. It feels way different. <laughs> so I mean, that just it it felt like they sort of collapsed at the finish line in twenty third twenty twelve, and it was going to take a while for them to get back. But I also don't think they're going to make the playoff this year. Um, but I do think just sort of the fundamentals of the program are in a lot better spot than I, I, like that. I, I would. I mean, yes. I would agree with that. I, I, the, the whole notion that Notre Dame's going to compete. For national titles at the level of the Alabamas and Clemsons and Ohio States, et cetera, I mean, I think it's just a little bit unrealistic in terms of doing it on such a consistent basis as those programs. But 
definitely on better footing. I mean, the the makeup of the roster, the re, the recruiting process, the coaching staff. I mean, I think on many many fronts, they're set up much better to to win. Let let's just say to win ten games because it's happened. It happens so infrequently. Right. I know it's happened three out of four years. To talk about consistent playoff bursts, I think is a little is is a little distant. But to talk about consistently competing for and winning ten games, they're much better positioned. I mean, for I that. think if, if Brian Kelly is here for five more years, um, that they will win at least fifty games, probably more than that in that time. So, how many playoff bids? Uh, two, one or two. But I mean, to to make it, you're gonna have to win eleven or yeah. twelve, and I bet there will be another eleven in there and some tens, and like maybe they're like I th- this year they could be a nine and three type season. But if you, if you said they won nine this year, I, I wouldn't change my opinion that they could win fifty over right. the next five. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. That not it's not like you, so they're gonna make a playoff run in the next five is what you're saying. Probably make yeah. two runs and make there, one or something. There are along teams those lines. that win ten games every year, and there are teams that average ten games, ten right. wins every yeah. year. I think Notre Dame is in the ten win average group. I would say uh, I I really like the health of the program roster staff and everything, but just just for this year and really for some of the tough games, the two year talent drain's been pretty big. They had some I, generational guys lost. They had some all time leaders lost. I mean. Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, Josh Adams, Dexter Williams, Alex Bars, Tavon Coney, Drew Tranquil, Julian Love. These guys are great Notre Dame. Jerry Tillery, great Notre Dame football players. It's why I write a talent drain. I use that yeah. phrase every every as soon as the draft is over because it's significant. I agree. I agree with both you guys. I th- but I think I think the three greatest talent drains have come after 2012, 2015, 2018. They are much better prepared. Yeah. They're much better positioned to withstand that talent drain now than they were in 2013 and certainly 2016. And that's all you can, I mean, I, I mean, maybe that's not all you can ask, but that's that's where they are right now, so they're positioned much well, better. I mean, it's like 2012, going into 2030, you're, like, Everett Golson got suspended. <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it could not it, have gotten worse. Total disaster. <laughs> I wrote an actual, I wrote a column that, can some, in in June or July yeah. is it Temple yet? <laughs> because yeah. this off season it was that bad. They off season everything. They were happened. fortunate to win nine games. <laughs> I couldn't believe Under what happened th- to that season. I mean, yeah. like the, the off season was impossible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. ridiculous yeah. from the head coach. Yeah. Down. This off season, I mean, I think it's forget comparing this off season. Forget comparing it to 2013. This has just been boring. Like by any compare, like nothing has happened, which is exactly how Brian Kelly would like it to be. Right, right. And, yeah. and, and so now this, you know, the, the you you expect the offensive line to get better. That's an advantage that you don't always the have after a great season. defensive ends are great. The defensive <laughs> ends are great. Never say that. You have a quarterback who, you know, I know, you know, I know a lot is made of the second year starting under Brian Kelly, the, that quarterback struggles. I don't think this one's going to. I, I just, I don't think this one's going to. I think he's just going to con- Continue to get better, so they have a lot more things going for them now than they did, you know, the previous, following previous big seasons. Um, we had some complaints earlier, and I said worried about cornerback depth and defensive tackle depth. And you pointed out we're worried about third string defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. used to worry about first string defensive tackles. We're worried about corners where they didn't have anybody that could run, and now they have Tariq Bracy and but Houston Griffith coming up. You know, it's it's true, but the but what happens now? The but the bar set higher. That now. that was my point. Now so, the whole thing is, can they make the playoffs? <laughs> and that's why I listed those names. Nothing to do with the guys coming up aren't good. Those guys those guys were great. Everyone I listed, 
at least as a senior, was a great Notre Dame football player. You, they they go ten and two this year will be a disappointment for a lot of people. It'll be a disappointment if they go ten and two, they don't make the playoffs. Right. So it, it's a pretty likely scenario. Ten and two. It is. It the absolutely is. So that's good. The Barsman race. That's good. Things are better under Brian Kelly in year ten. Then, I mean, as far as building a foundation than any of the previous years, correct? Except for, except for last year. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's all part of <laughs> yes. the crescendo no, into, into, into this year. All right. Thanks for joining us. We are going to be back on Thursday, March 25th. Uh, some of us will be attending the coaches' clinic on Friday. Practice will be open on Saturday. We'll have an instant analysis then. And then uh, come back on the following Monday for a podcast. So plenty, plenty of action Remaining here this spring, thanks for joining us. Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson. We'll talk to you again. 